0: This is Swampside Chats, a podcast where every week, communists sit down to shoot the shit about current events, history, political economy, and theory. This week, in the latest installment of our Not One Step Back Comrades reading series, we take a listener request and look at a collection of articles titled, Principles of a Pluralist Commonwealth by Gar Alperovitz. All right, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash the next system org forward slash principles <laughs> that's the uh not one step back reading for today yes uh, we were basically invited to peruse this website um called uh prince from some, from a broader thing called the next system project um principles of a pluralist commonwealth i'm just gonna read the mm-hmm. i'm just gonna read the description here Our time demands we meet the challenges inherent in an era of deepening despair and accelerating crises, political, ecological, and economic, that it is also potentially the prehistory of transformative and fundamental systemic change. This requires both a serious discussion of practical new economic efforts and organizing strategies as well as the steady development of both power and ideas that can help us move through and beyond the current emergency. The approach and model outlined here, the pluralist commonwealth. Offers a trajectory and pattern for wide-ranging institutional change towards real democracy over the long haul, guided by a transformative vision beyond both corporate capitalism and traditional state socialism. The uh, all of this is by a guy named Gar, Aleper, Aleper, eh, Gar Alperovitz. That's right. Um, he Alperovitz? is a hmm. I don't know. Alperovitz. Yeah. Well, yeah, God knows. Anyway, so uh, uh, Garo Perovitz is an American historian and political economist. Um, he is author of the original kind of theory that we uh, we nuked Hiroshima basically to send a message to Stalin. Um, and Which is it,
1: cool. That's a cool thing. I would have liked to read that. That would have been interesting.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. that's
1: a
2: braver that's a braver statement than market socialism
0: um he has an interesting Shh. history uh don't he, call know, it he, that he was a part <laughs> of like the vietnam war activism apparently he had a role in um basically distributing the pentagon papers and the sort of strategy of giving portions of it to a bunch of different news agencies both to kind of broaden the legal case for allowing them to be published and also to keep it in the media Um sort of similar to the strategy that I think Snowden and Greenwald ended up implementing um, with the treasure trove of NSA uh, stuff that they leaked uh, you know in the last decade um, the other thing uh, he was involved in an attempt in 1977 of workers to basically take control of a steel factory that had been shut down basically um, he basically came with a, he and the National Center for Economic Alternatives came up with a plan to do it. Uh, they got support from the Carter administration's development of, Department of Housing and Urban Development. Um, but Carter basically dropped it uh, after the midterm elections in 1978. He was going to basically um, give them like loan guarantees for this project. He, be, he sort of work, began working in the late 60s with MLK uh, to try to develop like community building economic strategies. Uh, but it was... I didn't really go anywhere because king died in 68 um and so this is kind of this idea of like the pluralist commonwealth model and you know basically trying to build these like sort of you know demo- somewhat democratic um institutions sort of been this guy's main project uh, aside from his like historical work uh from what i can tell sort of a cursory reading of his uh Wikipedia page. Because um, I'd never heard of this guy before. He's not a Marxist. But there's stuff in here that makes you think he is more familiar with Marx than he is letting on.
1: Yeah. And even more, how shall we say, sympathetic. Like, in so many words, this is market socialism and a sort of what McNair would call a right socialist, you know, sort of, or what Eric Olin Wright which his work definitely bears the influence of Eric Olin Wright's political uh, work, um, would call a symbiotic strategy of transforming the state. Um, It's... Well,
0: yeah. I mean, hmm. my critique of this stuff basically amounts to one thing. Uh, It's... it's, If I was going to just criticize this the entire episode the maybe the same point basically over and over again which is that he he's he's basically he's a left liberal and so he never really tackles the question of power right (laughs) the reason he's not a marxist i mean he does buy into mmt and certain aspects of um, that kind of whole school of economics uh, but beyond that the other reason is he doesn't believe in the dictatorship of the proletariat Um, yeah that's crystal clear he doesn't yeah,
1: believe in any, yeah. you know, any sort of seizure of power. Um, he
0: se- He seems to think that, you know, we can sort of slowly try to basically dem- democratize all these various like civil and economic institutions, um, and that the act of doing that alone will somehow like accumulate to a point where um, that just becomes the like basic model that societies run on. It's like a very. I mean. It, it, he doesn't say that explicitly. He never. That's the thing. Like, he, all of this is kind of an outline of policies for how you could potentially manage society on a more pluralistic commonwealth-like basis. Right. But um, the question, the question that it seems to fixate that Marxists seem to fixate on, and that seems to be the um, subject of so much debate, is the question of transition, which he never goes into uh, whatsoever, other than to say more of this stuff more of these examples that i've pulled of these different democratized or decommodified institutions we just do more of that and then that is the transition you know
2: well he doesn't seem to want to transition into anything is also worth mentioning i mean i will give the disclaimer that i may or may not be reading this text as we as we speak, but um, <laughs> well, and, come
3: on. Know, being, I mean, he wants, he wants to generous. transcend
1: capitalism or corporate capitalism or whatever. How, but, but like, has, how a, so? mean, His system is an alternative. He's definitely where, putting that forward. But where's the? What's the end goal that's
2: past capitalism? Well, there's the, the end goal. He doesn't name it. I mean, even, even, mean? The market markets social, are, even the market, even the market, kind of think that maybe markets will go away someday i don't even know if we can give him that
1: no 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 but he thinks markets can be tamed you know markets can be deployed and tamed as a countermeasure to bureaucracy which just just you know if you have a marxist understanding of value theory which by the way again it's to my you know it's it's my eternal discomfort that this is the kind of political theory that grows out of some of um or is at least associated with a lot of uh, Eric Owen Wright's like political work. You know what I mean? Like if if the, like you're really not sinking your teeth into the deep Marxist arguments that complicate this kind of American progressivism. Um and at the a better version of what he's trying to do here is in the book Imagining Real Utopias by Eric Owen Wright, in which he at least outlines in like in in broad strokes the um he outlines in broad strokes like the different transformational logics of revolution and and he kind of does more marxist stuff he entertains like how the future could change politically if there's something like an inherent crisis tendency or falling rate of profit he does the more marxist stuff um whereas like this is just totally abstracted of that context it is red, white, and blue washed in a, in its in an almost subtle way, other than the part on like America. All right.
2: Well what's actually if you? we go to a, if we go to America for a second, I'm on uh yeah. next dot org slash markets pound what's dash wrong dash with dash markets dash and dash why dash do dash we dash still dash need dash them. Um and um yeah, quote in many ways, the United States has already subjected markets to certain measure of democratic control. We have decided that particular markets, those for slaves or child labor, for instance, should not exist. Universal primary school and Medicare, meanwhile, ensure that some basic necessities such as public education or health care for the elderly should be decommodified and access should not be conditioned entirely on an individual's ability to pay within a marketplace. So, America is a shining example of of um, democratic control. Well,
0: the, the well the point the point he's he's making he's making a legitimate point, which is that you you like there there are yeah there are sectors of you know society that are yeah essentially decommodified for a variety of reasons, like and because you know like the state. You know, contrary to what like an caps or like hard libertarians will argue, like the state is the thing that sets the table for the economy. It's the precondition for it. You know, it's it, it, it that's like the the state creates the conditions for the market. So it's going to do that through a variety of ways, and sometimes even controlling some sectors of society. Like you can't just have like everything subjected to the sphere of the market. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't be good for capitalism.
2: Right. Well, there's pl- That's the thing is that there is planning and state management of the mode of production under capitalism and and
1: and he calls a that out of, as well
2: yeah the and that is that is missed out on um
1: well he does say that any like well this is what he says he puts it very strongly that markets are planned our economy has a great degree of planning by the state in it And anyone that sets planning against markets is engaging in in ideology, essentially, is what he says, which I think is too strong from the sense that he doesn't imagine there could be planning without markets. However, that can there be markets without planning? I think he gets that pretty right.
0: Yeah, I mean,
2: he gets that right, but he he doesn't see there being a kind of social planning Possible, or he, you know, he somehow sees markets as a kind of pro-social force potentially, and that's really stupid. Um, well, what he sees, him, it, he basically but...
0: buys. He basically buys into um, the uh, whole Austrian school argument that you really can't. Um... You basically can't calculate from a centralized. This could, this could do this stuff on decentralization. Like you can't calculate from a centralized source, something of the magnitude of complexity of the distribution and production of like goods and resources in human society. You basically need like markets in order to process and you know there's like input output signals and to process that information in a way um, that allows the society to function in a way that's somewhat um, in, in some a state approaching equilibrium right if that if if the, like it's 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 too, too compliant, which and he basically so argues that even with even with modern computing power you can't do it
2: i have a quote i have a quote here actually yeah um he says um the experience of entirely planned economies should give us pause before we throw the market baby out with the bathwater whatever their defects market exchanges remain a powerful way to coordinate in a decentralized fashion the actions of many social actors, connecting consumers to the products they want and need, dot, dot, dot. Um, he says, an advanced economy above a certain scale may simply be intractable from a coordination perspective without the carefully defined use of a decentralized mechanism like markets. Now, what's funny to mm-hmm. me about this sentence is the word like. because like. He... He says like markets, he even has to admit that at a certain level of scientific and technical capability that this is probably not the only way of doing things. Um, Value is probably not the only way of doing things. But, you know, that's that's just kind of shoved off in one word.
0: Well, he's clearly coming from a place of. Yeah, exactly. He's clearly coming from a place of like, I mean, this this he's only willing to get so speculative. You know, he's 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 a guy who's kind of like, well, show me it. Give me show me something like show me something that I can use as a model. Show me something I can use as an example. Um, you know you can't don't don't give me don't give me like this metaphysical shit about what you know like how what this system is and how it could be dialectically inverted into something else. I need examples, and that's what he peppers this entire thing with. And it's funny too because like sometimes he's. These own little articles will start with like a like a question and the article will never answer that question. It will just like list a series of examples of things that he argues that even bolsters his claim. It's just, well, this is going on and this is going on and this is going on. So we're moving along. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a strained progressivism to it, which is, you know, I'm, I I don't know, like how you can. I think this was written in a slightly different time, basically, like before the Trump uh uh, turn and so a lot of people that no, have the, these well, kind of politics. Am, am I
0: wrong? Well, these were all thrown up on May fifteenth, twenty seventeen.
1: Oh well, Fuck me. Let's see. Uh, principles. Of, uh, yeah, this we're doing high quality research here.
2: Um, I'm pretty sure this is a Yang twenty twenty psyop. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. So principles of a pluralist commonwealth was published. And yeah, okay, 2017, fuck me. Um, so, yeah, I don't even really know what to say, Ben, because it's hard for me to... It's hard for me to defend something of this tone in that environment, but I guess all I could say is that this is an empiricist utopian, and it's stuff mm-hmm. like this that basically made me not take political science as a major, <laughs> because if you just list out these green shoots... What they call and what these, you know, crunchy types call green shoots is are like these positive little examples of how things could be better within our present system. And I, look, I like that. I like the impulse. I like the impulse of looking for, you know, things to be optimistic about. However, when I get lists of these things, what stands out to me isn't the overwhelming possibilities of an alternative. It's. There must be some kind of common mechanism reigning these things in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where thinking like a Marxist poisons these sorts of documents to you. This doesn't read to me like an optimistic, you know, string of possibilities. Like, well, I, I can you know, like count in my head, okay, that's doomed. Why is that doomed? Let's think about the structural mechanism by which this is doomed. <laughs> well, I, here's I, the thing. I think, like, good Marxism the- has well worked out reasons for this that isn't just nihilism isn't just we'll fuck everything
3: i mean this sort of i want to just point out that this sort of thinking was already like put forward by euro communists and that sort of thing and what it ended up leading to in the long term was just you know new labor it's third way politics you know neoliberalism you know one can draw can easily draw a line between the sort of like market socialism, sort of democratic socialist alternative to communism and neoliberalism.
0: Well, here's the problem, right? The forces arrayed against the proletari- proletariat today are powerful and terrifying, right? Um, for the same reason that Engels basically argued that late, very late in life, that the SPD should avoid armed confrontation with the state because of the way that like warfare has changed right there's this impulse um, for some marxists but also mainly liberals to avoid the un the, the thing that you can't what like the thing you can't get rid of which is that there is a direct clash of interests between classes right and that cla that like that clat that basically necessitates conflict in order to resolve the problem and the liberals like to think like we can skirt around this conflict and what right, is the default devol-
2: manage the state can manage the social antagonisms
0: well yeah well, yeah and we can we can skirt around this conflict and that's and then that sort of default and in it take either takes forms like this, where it's like, well, we'll just build our own communities, man, or it devolves into yeah, like third way, Blairite, Clintonite, um, basically just like, oh no, we can we can go to the we can go to the vital center and we can we can wheel and horse trade and make an agreement that works for everybody, or you know, that's that's. That those are the two directions it goes, and it works for the same problematic, which is this refusal to really analyze and confront the real antagonisms that underpin society and to accept, you know, the challenge of the question of power.
1: Yeah, there is an admission that in times of social change, there is, you know, violence and conflict. There is an admission. It's like italicized. It's, it's you know, it's stressed, like, but it doesn't seem like... That the stamps of understanding this are all over it. Although when you read about when you read his biography, Jake, uh, he does understand this. This is very much some kind of weird, you know, crypto socialist thing. And by socialist, I don't mean real socialism. I mean like this guy obviously thinks of himself as some kind of market socialist or is interested in all the things market socialists are interested in. But, but does he does he understand does, it
0: though? No, that's my no, he question. Doesn't.
1: What I think is interesting, well, and there's a, there's a good reason, you know, like a I lot thought, of these people thought, have like. I thought you said he
0: did understand it. Sorry.
1: Hmm? Oh no, I, I no, I don't think he, I don't think he understands all of Marxist theory or something, like because he he might aggr- address like no, a, no, a crisis. What,
2: tendency. what I'm saying is, what's interesting that Lexi's highlighting though is that he knows more than he's letting on in this, and that he's being fundamentally political and dishonest in his like presentation of this like new theory of market socialism as the pluralist commonwealth like that this is for him like a it's a way of trying to reinvent and resell market socialist politics um
1: and like i don't even know if it's dishonest in a way it's more honest than calling market socialism fucking socialism but like it's nationalist in this very subtle way I mean, maybe it's not so subtle when he says, the pluralist commonwealth is America. But by the way, we have to break up America.
0: Like, well, no, here's the, here's the thing that, no, he he doesn't understand it because if you look at, like, yeah, look at his life history, like, everything he did was like, I'm going to go through the institutions to solve these problems. You know, he still, on some level, like any liberal, he still believed that... that You know that the existing state institutions could address these issues like again like this thing a lot of this stuff he's talking about like building co-ops and stuff. It is basically just kind of LaSalle and like we'll get the government to pay for it. Well his big thing with Youngstown look what happened with that like the Carter got scared in the midterms and the whole thing collapsed you know.
1: All right. You know what point taken point taken. Yeah, yeah, at least but, LaSalle at least LaSalle wanted to,
0: you know, go somewhere with. Well, with yeah, it. no, I I hadn't <laughs> hesitated to make that comparison because it's kind of insulting to LaSalle even to, so, you know, but yeah. he, he but It is it is similar. similar. It does it does
2: remind you of it just because it's so like it's like, oh, maybe the maybe the bourgeois
3: state will help us. Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that Bernie Sanders was into in like the little 80s. And to a certain extent, he's actually sort of still into it because like re- relatively recently on his like senator sort of like can't uh sen- is like website for campaigning as a senator he had a thing about like funding workers co-ops and fun and getting state funding for that and like back in the eight like in a 1987 interview he d- he talked about how you know that the economy should be run more democratically and open dem it should be run completely democratically and decentralized you know yeah but I mean, put into right. practice <laughs> you know
2: so yeah. many bernie policies put into practice like the green new deal right now would just be policy smoke and mirrors but put into practice as you know taken at face value like what they really are advocating for from bernie to this guy on this website it's like Mondragon Corporation, you know. Like that's what we'd get out of out of a serious, sustained effort to make this happen is like an American one or two American Mondragons or whatever. My my
3: point was he even he ended up backing backing away from it and saying that yeah you know, you know uh, there's a place for a free enterprise. There's obviously a pl- a place for free enterprise in the in my vision of socialism or
1: whatever and and let me give them credit here they're good empiricists in that they uh they principally they in a principled way have no imagination about how we can replace markets in a decentralized way i mean like if that like quote that you had before grant is telling in that way where this is a person that basically sees that technology exists to replace markets and argues we still need markets
0: So I think another big, big problem here, and again, you see this in this kind of like left liberal utopianism. You know, this is kind of like green party adjacent kind of shit, or like you know, you probably. I feel like this guy. I would bet good money this guy was on Democracy Now at some point. Well, you um, got to
1: understand the Anglo left, like the the left wing of Anglo discourse that kind of leans on the you know, I don't know the the kind of the research norms of, of American and like English speaking bourgeois social science. Like it is a truly theoretically impoverished field. What angle says about Anglo-Saxon theoryless barbarism really fits with that stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, so, so I was going to say like what you see with this and with that, with all that kind of stuff is like this fetishization of decentralization, right? Um, but first of all, what's hilarious is all of his examples of decentralized administration of, you know, like the Tennessee Valley theory and shit like that, <laughs> all of those things were like sent, issued through central directives, right? Yeah, and admittedly
1: um, end up autonomous in a way that's not democratic. <laughs> like he says as much and identifies it as a bureaucratic problem. And his solution right. is to introduce like markets around shit. Oh, man. Right. I mean, that's a well, bit of a straw man, but it's not that it's, much of a straw well,
0: man. Well, it's either that or it's like we just need more democracy. We need things to be more democratic, but not democratic in a way where, like, they can vote to sell the company off, but democratic in a way where there's, like, this enmeshed network of different, like, democratic cooperatives and, like, you know, c- community. Because his idea is that, okay, if things are localized, then they have a stake in the environment around them. And if they're responsible in some way for the broader to the broader community, then they can't, like— unload their costs into externalities like you know corporations do right well the problem is that though is that if you have all these like locally based things like when you are locally based it's like i am this i am here and not there so not there becomes uh the externality becomes the other and if you don't have like kind of like a globally integrated political structure um that if where things are managed on that macro global level, what you can get are people basically trying to push their costs onto their nearest, or to, on, onto the people around them, and then you basically get you know conflict and
3: yeah. Also, he kind of ignores the history of like decentralization as just being a do- sort of decentralization politics in the United States just being a dog whistle for white supremacist
1: shit. Mm. He addresses this in the race section. Wait, uh, so- he does. Yeah, yeah, it's he just kind of, you know, says both things. You know what I mean? This never gets into any like, I don't know, it gets into specifics superficially, but it's not like um telling us how we're going to square decentralization with the record of like racism in the United States. Like yeah, he just
3: because doesn't. Because this, like, the record of it, like, the relationship between sort of, like, decentralization is that it's usually a dog whistle for racist politics, essentially. It's a dog whistle—it's, like, states' rights, you know, let the local communities decide— how we're going to treat black people, how we're going to treat the gay. It's not even just racism. It's how we're going to treat the gays. It's like the general strategy of the uni- of like any bi- uh like bigoted group is to basically be like, yeah, but y- you see, you can't you can't have the federal government interfere with our affairs because that violates, s- now that violates the rights of the states for and the people, the people to
2: decide.
1: Yeah, there, there, there is a sense, though, that he, like, he does want to push back on this, like, on this tendency. And he does think that, you know, he makes the argument abstractly, and I think this might be, to read him charitably, be one of the times where he doesn't feel like decentralization is appropriate. You know, he's open. He's basically open to, like, every kind of <laughs> organization of anything. So, like, to a degree. So I think he would think of those interventions as justified and fine. He endorses intersectionality. You know, he mentions you know persecution of gay people and LGBT people and and that kind of thing. Well, it's so, yeah, because I mean, like he's numb to, to that totally.
0: It's it's easier to check the right boxes though than it is to actually have a plan to address these problems. Right, right. No, <laughs> you know.
1: but and what Rosa is saying in in broad strokes is really important because um, it, it just he just kind of starts these important debates and thoughts and stuff and then backs away. And maybe yeah. that's all that this is intended to do. This guy, you know, wrote a book about, you know, something about the next American Revolution or something. I I feel like underneath it all, he's, you know, I don't know. I get the the kind of CPUSA vibe from this guy. And I, I have no idea <laughs> where he's really coming from. But you know, like he's trying to dress this up in in a in the Bill of Rights or something in the Constitution. <laughs> he's a um, he's
0: actually a um he's actually a brainwashed deep undercover LaRoucheite. Uh, he, was, he was he was he was programmed in the early sixties and they just never were able to deprogram him
1: they couldn't deprogram him he's too good r i p king
3: how like how does this guy
1: compare to richard Wolf?
3: let's richard, let's richard get wolf on the...
1: relatively richard wolf relatively goes into more depth it like the honestly like the stuff I was defending about Richard Wolf is, is the stuff that isn't present here. Even though this guy's trying to motivate things in a similar direction, I wouldn't go to bat for this guy the way I did for Wolf. That stuff is absent. He's not interested in even being out to Sarah for Grandma.
0: Well because I mean in some ways I mean I guess I've been critical of this guy the entire time but I was reading through it I was kind of sympathetic like I felt like he was actually kind of hitting on things that you know I mean in the broad outlines a lot of this is actually not very disagreeable No um, no the
1: the problem with this is that like almost virtually everything almost everything that he says I agree with and yeah. I think is pretty <clears throat> I don't know boilerplate if if I was going to criticize it that it's just sure. sort of like a, like a sort of common point. Look, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of room for that kind of stuff, you know, to appeal to people outside of the left. I think that's fine in a way. I'm not sure why someone would select it for us to read, but okay, fine. And then every so often, uh, just as much, just as if he was just like talking about an example, he would, he'll just like slide something kind of pretty ideological in as a, just as a settled fact and just move on that's sort of stuff i don't know if it's a genuinely like pernicious act or something but it seems to compromise the value of the text Mm -hmm. as as what it's trying to be which is it's trying to be sort of open-ended socialist or progressive you know
0: well yeah i mean the devil's always in the details right like, look at how he look at how he talks about like with decentralization, how he imagines it scaling up, right? Let me see if I can find like the section on this because he basically, you know, he does understand that things need to be integrated at a broader level, but like the he basically perceives it as you know, and the old like anarchist way of saying it, basically like from bottom to top, right? The idea that like these local organizations, like will. Develop like lists of priorities at like higher levels, and then like the, somehow like those things will be aggregated with computers or something somehow, and then somehow that will ad hoc like develop into you know into like a full on like plan for society, right? But it seems like in terms of thinking about it, like you, I don't think I I don't see how it could work that way. I don't think I feel like on some level like. If you were doing because he doesn't. First of all, he doesn't even see like global planning as a thing. He's, he did, literally doesn't talk about it at any level higher than like the nation, right? And that's another big thing. Um, but even so, like you need to conceptualize like where priorities are going to be at a global level because resources across the world are not distributed evenly, unless he's just talking about completely like abolishing the global division of labor and just having like you know self self subsistence like communes. Um, I mean, I, I it's that's where it gets weird.
1: Well, he has a section on trade that I definitely didn't read, and I realize now it wasn't in the rotation because it's accidentally in a different. It's, it's the only thing in a section on the site, so nice site mm-hmm. for the most part, but you know, fix that up. Um, oh, Christ, that was not the thing to get hung up on. I
0: well, no, I read. I mean, I read. I read the section on trade. There's nothing to it. Like, yeah. it's just like, trade oh. trade works this way right now, and we do it like that, but good. Uh, check so, out the like, Sierra Club.
1: Yeah. So, so, like, is it trying—I I, I don't know. Fuck that. But the point is that you were saying that he doesn't address anything bigger than the United States. The only thing that he does is more or less advocate the United States to be broken down into smaller republics because he basically takes the cynical look at the gambit— proposed in the federalist can there be a big old republic could there be freedom from sea to shining sea i mean that that really wasn't uh there wasn't seas two seas in the picture yet but you know what i mean like yeah it seems to like, come
0: from this thing of like like look how many fucking people are man how do you get all these people to agree and it's like well first of all if, if that was if that, if that was true then i guess america was like most was most democratic in the fucking eighteenth century, I guess that i guess that's well, you know what i mean like it's this is an
1: important argument in american history um it- co- it comes um Mont. it comes from Montesquieu like uh baron I-, I forget his fucking name he's a weird big old name and um James Madison in the Federalists was especially fond of quoting this guy and the the thing that they wanted to do to challenge it was, okay, we're going to have these, like, smaller republics, because, I mean, you know, we did read Montesquieu and everything, but fuck it, Montesquieu can't be right about everything. We'll have this big republic, and these, like, littler republics will, like, filter out all, like, the pores and all the bullshit, and we can just have, like, the real, you know, the real people who really have a stake in society can control the big picture. And that was his, you know, magnificent plan. And uh, the way that this comes across in the text is, well, James Madison you know, thought maybe, you know, you couldn't have, like, real freedom, maybe you could have, like, you know, tyranny if republics get too big, and I don't know, even that, it didn't really, like, engage with the material in a way that I felt I, was sufficient.
3: I mean, breaking up the United States would unintentionally be progressive, as it would be destroying the empire, but at the same time, I don't know if you would exactly want to go about, like, breaking up, uh, destroying the american empire through that way instead of just having like a unified north american republic or something of like that
1: well Probably. i don't know i'm i'm not i'm not sold on that like uh i think if you have like a continental sort of communist block i'm getting bong up here like you have you you have a chance to you know like re-carve up some historically reactionary entities like you know you wouldn't want the confederation to be its own thing you might want to like get rid of texas and chop it up <laughs> yeah. like um or you might want to give you know you might want to give the lakota you know like a big chunk of land or the, you know what i mean like yeah, of there's a lot of reasons to devolve you know bigger entities but like the question is A broader question about like you know what kind of global you know what kind of global organization would you want or what kind of continental integration would you want and i don't know this this is a super bong rip and i i don't know how far he really goes with this
3: (laughs) yeah i mean I I like how everything is, like, supposedly super realistic, and this can all be done through democratic institutions. And then he's like, yeah, but we can just break up the United States into smaller republics. (laughs) It's just like, oh, okay.
1: Well, we can't get rid of markets, but we could, you know, abolish the United States. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I mean, I do think this guy, like, you know, gets high on his own supply. And I think this, like, this is like a policy wonk, like left liberal type. Like this is the closest they could get to communism. But what's weird is that he's clearly familiar with like Marxist analysis, but I don't know if it's just the failure of the Soviet Union or if it's just um, – I'm not sure what it is, but he never – he doesn't like substantially. And maybe – or maybe he's one of those people uh, who's like, we can't call it communism because of what happened, man. Like we have to call it something else. Well, I, um, I'm afraid – Venus part Project, Cooperative Par- Commonwealth –
1: I'm afraid part of the answer is exposure to analytical Marxism as it is, as probably his only point of reference for serious Marxism. And and I'm, you know, an outspoken proponent of reading analytical Marxism, but not because of their political views. Um, (laughs) You know, I think a lot of the more important things to say have to be brought in from other traditions there. Um, And so when you have serious English language attempts to grapple with Marxism. It usually doesn't adjust for the shitty things about that literature. I think that's might be part of the shortcoming because this guy was in, uh, Eric Olin writes like, uh, imagining real utopia series, like, or like he was, I don't know, in some kind of discussions about it. He was like peripheral to that project. He was one of the interlocutors. Um, even, even though I think, I don't know, I, I'm just stuck on that. That this guy is in some way like, you know, colleagues, they're going right. And they kind of have overlapping mm-hmm. politics. They have this ultra-right mm-hmm. socialism. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what, what else to call it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a yeah. classless society. You know, even if yeah, it is yeah, yeah. some kind of progressive, you know, post-capitalism. It's what he wants to think of it as.
0: It's. I mean, he's very agnostic. That's why he always says it's like it's like corporate. He always uses the phrase corporate capitalism and traditional state socialism. So he he particularizes both terms, right? Right. And, uh, so yeah, he, yeah, he's definitely kind of leaving room open to, you know, hit a wide spectrum of things, yeah. which is good, I guess, if you're trying to like attract a broad audience, you know.
1: Yeah, he's leaving room to be capitalist and socialist.
0: Yeah. But it's weird, though, because he's basically he has these usually the way that that's accomplished is through like, you know, like like Bernie Sanders. Right. And, And like the process of some kind of like staking out some kind of like position within, you know, like political discourse in the United States. This is like utopian, which makes it harder to do that because it 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 brings that stuff into much sharper relief than it would if you were just talking about like what when you're thinking about the realm of like what's realistic now, you know.
1: Uh, yeah. None of this seems more realistic than you know, <laughs> fucking surrounding the cities and like you know, protracted people's war.
0: Right. Well, and I mean, he—that's why he always like re- like resorts to examples like there's this thing and this thing and this thing. But you know, I mean, okay, the, the, maybe these instit- these institutions are more democratic. I mean, I guess the question is, can, to what extent can localized like experimentation? serve to give us ideas of of how to how to manage things like in a more egalitarian democratic way you know like how much like where do those things come up against the limits you know
1: one of the tools that he simply lacks is that he thinks of class as like he he's slightly you know slightly better it's not just about distribution of income he talks about the limits of that he wants to talk about distribution of wealth that's a little better but he fundamentally can't just say look things aren't like like i don't know he do, he he does he wants to critique american quote democracy as is and he wants to go through something more democratic he even name checks like anarchism in that section but you know like what he doesn't really want to do is say the reason that these things are not democratic is fundamentally for class reasons and if you wanted to be democratic you would have to like arrange this around something like a working class or proletarian class interest. Like, it's just, it's basically a vocabulary he lacks because class is sort of, I don't know, he addresses it more like a distributionalist, even though he's a better distributionalist, you know? Like, it's not like Marx was uninterested in distribution of, like, not just, you know, like, income, but actual, like, the, the thing that helps guarantee your income you know means of production is one way of thinking of this like
0: one thing that he attributes the fail failure of like actually existing socialism to is sort of you could say like he, he seems to present like actually existing socialism as like this monolith which at some level actually kind of serves to obscure like the level of experimentation that there was um but that's why i think he kind of leans on this idea of like a pluralist commonwealth where it's like we're gonna, we're just gonna try a whole bunch of different things, and they'll all somehow fit together, you know. And yeah. that by diversifying, by diversifying the forms, that like I guess in, is supposed to insulate us against, I don't know, um, the I don't know tier. I'm like I'm not even sure like what what he's after there.
1: I mean, um, like he compares markets to fire, right? An extremely powerful technology that can get easily out of control and consume everything you value. Like fire, markets have a long history in human social life, conservatively hundreds and hundreds of years older than anything we could correctly call capitalism. Um, and um, basically just appeals to the problems of planned economies, more or less, to make an argument for markets. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all we get. Yeah. There's something terribly yeah, satisfying mean, about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe there's a deeper thing he has written. I because mean, this is just kind of designed to be—it's almost right. like it's not quite a program, but it's sort of a, a declaration of principles, right? Yeah. This, this is designed for some for like you know, Johnny person off the street to like log on and say, oh, "What's this all about?" You know.
1: Yeah, which almost makes me ask, you know, why, why, why did we read this? Like, who would, who would send this to us?
0: <laughs> because. Because we had this insane idea that we would have people pay us money and they could make us read whatever we want, you know we're suffering for yeah- yeah, yeah, whatever they wanted, yeah, yeah that's that's what we this is this is the life we chose, yeah yeah,
3: whoever uh to the person who sent this, you're gay, and this is dumb. <laughs>
1: Uh, the person that sent this, well, oh, well anyway, well, that's another, There's another story. We, we have the utmost uh, respect for our Bonapartists. Thank you for sending in money. Thank. Um, don't, don't say transphobic things in the chat. Thanks. And, um, let's think about how we can engage with this, right? Like what should this person have done? Like, is, is, is he like fundamentally flawed for trying to issue out a list of principles much of which we all basically can go, uh huh, even though we want to go, and, right? Like, do we have anything con- like truly constructive to say here? Well, a lot of the to
2: going halfway is, is kind of about blocking the full conclusion, isn't it? I mean, you know, this is a, this and all market socialisms and everything about the transition and putting it off, you know. It's all substituting the real thing, communism, even if that's a process, for for bullshit and for capitalism. The
1: true is a moment of the false. Right.
0: So um, yeah,
2: I, I don't I don't think that half true to get us any-
0: I mean, I guess I, it became easier because I, when I first started reading this, I was like, oh, Jesus, I'm reading like two things and then fucking off. And I actually read probably a little more than half of it um, because I guess I stopped looking at it as something to. I stopped looking at it as something that I basically just started looking at it as like an artifact and looking at it from like a an right. anthropological perspective.
1: That's got to and... be what, what we're doing here. That's got to be why they why they threw money at us to read this.
0: And looking at it, I mean, I guess it's a good sign that even somebody who's, like, a, you know, long-time, like, left liberal like that is forced to almost weirdly, like, proto-communist conclusions um, (laughs) by by the development, uh, by their own, uh, like, gradual development of, like, the scale of the problems that we face and what needs to be done about it. And, but for the life of them, you know, he's been, he's not even a boomer. He's, like, he's older than that. And... He's you know he can't conceive of anything you know outside of that twentieth century mid twentieth century framework and uh you know that's just uh that's just a consequence of that the fact that he gets this far from where he came right, from right. pretty much on his own while still denying the immortal sciences of marxist materialism uh that tells you something that tells you something about where we're at
1: yeah and and it you know. I agree with a lot of the critiques of worldview Marxism and having like a well worked out like tributary system of what's wrong but like there is there's something good to be had for adopting a framework of models that are coherent that can give you a, a much better command of the examples that you come across in this world and help you generalize and theorize in a useful way and look if your models are bullshit you know your analysis is probably bullshit but like if you can if you can find like a sweet spot between you know letting reality speak and holding on to some kind of you know bunch of models that like can explain things in a coherent way then you're good i think like an evolved form of marxism can really do this and and helps us understand the world in a way that, I mean, look, this guy is perhaps struggling against the conclusion, you know? It's, like, <laughs> like how many American progressives that put, put their hopes into, like, labor unions back then are looking at the world today and, you know, have to, like, basically have to lose their goddamn mind not to come to a communist conclusion. like, that is a good way to think of it. Sort of anthropologically speaking, like, like what are the, what are the lengths you have to go to, to look at today's problems? Want to be progressive, but not be a communist.
0: (laughs) What's well, the thing? At least he's looking at the problems, right? Like this he is, is why you know this is why I can have some respect for like decent left liberals, especially people right. like this who you know he did accomplish a couple of things, or at least he or he he, Look, he fought the good fight in some respects. You that's know? kind of the thing and I
1: actually have a, a I I feel like that if I would feel bad for you know hurting the person I'm projecting uh, the moral character of you know that I'm thinking about here, like I'm imagining someone who's maybe like a a gentle soul who's believed the national myth, you know? <laughs> well, no, like,
2: I would really want to push back maybe against the idea that this is, this is progress because he says it himself with the whole United States does socialism now bullshit. And we talked about it. Bourgeois states get involved in economic planning without involving social planning. And however he wants to dress it up, this seems like it's compatible with the dystopia that
1: is propelling us towards the end of our species like and i just Those don't know the problems he wants to solve in this incohate way that's what i'm saying about marxism that it's hard to understand in a systematic way what's going wrong without sort of marxist economic models to a degree
2: i just feel the absence of social planning it's it's just it's right there
0: I mean, this is the, this thing isn't perfect, but my point is, like, he he gets to these like, like I said, like proto-socialist, proto-communist places, while still, you know, while still maintaining like the kind of liberal revulsion for that kind of stuff and the sort of knee-jerk like hatred of actually existing socialism. Um, but the fact that the fact that he gets as far as he does, I think, I think is just kind of it's a it's a, it's a signal of the of the place that we're in right now. That's all yeah. I'm saying.
1: And and it's not totally true that there, he has no emphasis on social planning. He wants like he quotes this Catholic principle he says it comes from Catholic social organizing or whatever. I don't know what the fuck that means because, you know, there's like the the pope and the Vatican and shit seems pretty centralized to me. But anyway, he deploys it as like, look, he basically agrees small is beautiful in in a degree. And if if it can be small it should be. Yeah. Like and, and he, so he, he affirms some like decentralizing like you might say quote anarchist principles you but know
2: that doesn't feel like yeah i i, I see what i mean you're he saying. says he, he says it his, explicitly i know he thinks of his solution as social but that like the market like the market is anti so like it's well, in, the
1: market and the state like it's you know we just have we're gonna have uh The state is going to have its right function. The the market's going to have its right function, and the society will have its right function. And the market and the state will further the meet the needs of society. I mean, you know,
2: (laughs) I (laughs) I know you can articulate.
1: I know you can articulate the case. It's just, um,
2: I just I think that this is if this is a sign of anything, you know, it's it's. I'm just trying to think of how it's progress that people are like a sign of the times in a good way that people are associating this kind of state administration or that people are coming to this kind of state administration as uh as a solution you know like that. it just i don't know doesn't strike me well right. we're, we're we're better off than we were in the 90s i'll tell you that the, yeah. That socialist concepts have become like integrated into the normal talk of like policy planning, state intervention that they would do anyway in the 90s if they needed to? I don't think so. I mean, like, I think that mm-hmm. if you had a Green New Deal or whatever, it, it just, I don't know.
0: You think that the political situation for the far left was <laughs> better in the 90s? I, yeah.
2: I don't think yeah. that. I just, that's oh not God. even the question I'm asking, though. I'm thinking that, that like, it doesn't matter if the left's vocabulary is more integrated into the ruling class's discussion of how it should manage capitalist relations.
0: Well, where, where are people well, going to get the idea that socialism is a viable alternative or where people get the idea to even think of things like organizing a workplace? Well,
1: but Grant, Grant, the, the nice thing about what you're saying here is that we're not looking at something that's picking up socialist vocabulary. It's basically the exact same position and it's, you know, packages American progressivism, but it, it, you know, this is essentially like a, like an ultra right socialist, you know, Marxist like position. Yeah, you know, we, like,
0: we we live we live in an absurd like media saturated society. Like that's where people encounter ideas, as fucked up as that is. You know what I mean? Like they're not gonna they're not gonna pick up the ideas from socialism from somebody handing out oh, leaflets on the street corner or their fucking local bowling league or where the fuck they go. I mean,
1: but what Crane is saying is that this is like a net loss. And I think that you have to look at it oh. like if if I, I I think the narrative of socialism becoming like Entering into american life is is a net win, even if it's confusing, even if the true is a moment of the false, even if all representation serves its undermining like I think those critical theory things are true, but I also think if the concept of like something beyond capitalism starts to matter in American society, the fact that we encounter it in these distorted forms is evidence that it's a thing now, and it was never on the table before or ne- or never in our lifetimes or p- potentially even in our parents' lifetimes depending on how old they are.
0: Um another thing I'll say I mean I mean shit on this guy all episode but another thing I'll say in his favor, uh he talks about reducing work hours. Yeah. I mean that puts him ahead of Bernie. That puts him ahead of a lot of people, you know. <laughs> like well, you know, I mean he actually I mean he talks about it in a context of like of like ecological like it it would which is something that doesn't get remarked upon often enough but like he actually does talk about the context of like fewer people fewer people working less and having to commute less that like drastically reduces things from like an energy standpoint so um but yeah anyway like so you know i mean he i think if he's talking about reducing work hours like that passes the jehu test you know
1: You know, yeah. Yeah. Communism. Communization is free, or is communism is free time and nothing else. Yeah. Just to like rearticulate my point was that like the fact that we're seeing distorted forms of the alternative to capitalism appear in the you know nominal kind of like political like DC left is a is a symptom of progress that people are in the United States are imagining uh, something other than capitalism, or at least conceive of themselves as imagining something other than capitalism um, means that something else besides capitalism is, uh, is something that occurs to people in American society in a way that it didn't for our entire lifetimes and probably for our parents' lifetimes. If they lived in the Reagan years,
0: it Um, makes sense that we would see it in a reactionary form first. You know what I mean?
1: Of course.
3: I mean, that's sort of how it came in like the, in like the 19th century you know we didn't have really marxism we had you know we had like utopian socialists and we had la and we had blanqui and we had some an- annoying anarchists and um
1: like religious you know traditionalist socialists
3: yeah basically yeah you know and you know i guess you could if you really wanted to be To make those parallels really hard. I guess you could like label Tucker Carlson as a reactionary socialist if
2: you really want to. (laughs) Or um I think Tucker's smarter than half the well, half is even generous to the left. But
1: um I I really (laughs) That's spicy. Uh.
2: What I do. I mean I think the I think it was idiotic of people to protest him, all of that. But I I just um sorry that got me off track but i, I just i don't Wait, that was a shot up on the butt. When, yeah. you have, when you when you talk about the 19th century there were also other things going on within the proletariat once marxism hit the scene and that kind of goes to marxism's you know material basis in that like as the workers movement got more serious and as it was actually proletarian involved the ideas started challenging capitalism more and i think that these are signs of you know this or socialists no matter how marxist they claim to be just kind of falling in line behind sanders or whatever shows that we're still in a very early sectarian phase of any kind of development i would i would say and and it it just um i i think the difference though would be a, a social base would be proletarians actually involved
3: uh i mean i mean there's there's been like a spike in like strikes relatively recently it's higher the highest in like 30 years in the united states
2: so i think the statistics there, there is but if you look into it i think that's very different from like what the economist is calling like millennial socialism or like bernie sanders factional power and i just i worry that we're viewing this um this political sphere development that's very internal like of the the center is looking to the fringes and kind of entertaining this fringe rhetoric of the green new deal and stuff like that because they know they're gonna get implemented and and because if it was implemented it would I mean, just smoke in your policies i mean
3: then again i i don't i don't i don't necessarily buy that many of the people who are actually into these concepts are necessarily not proles in the sense that they've been like proletarianized normally these people would be more like manager as much as i hate the the term managerial class type people normally You know, but like due to the way capitalism is working now, they're ending up in a position where they don't really have much in the way of a future. They have a lot of college debt and, you know, Bernie Sanders is promising to get rid of their college debt. Bernie Sanders is promising them a lot of things. So that gives them a material reason to actually want to be socialist beyond, oh, these are just good nature liberals that want to help people you know, and the right-wing trope that's commonly thrown about is
0: no, I mean, maybe maybe we're saying the same thing from different angles. Like, yeah, it is it is nebulous and it isn't like linked up like the classical workers movement, sure. But I don't know. I feel like, you know, it they, we could potentially be in a moment um, right. that the, could lead to that if we took the right steps, you know.
3: The classical workers movement needs to actually be developed again. Like Yeah, we have this wave of—we have, like, a newer, like, spike in strikes, but, you know, union membership is still relatively low. There's a new wave of, like, millennials joining unions. They're joining unions in higher numbers, which is a positive thing, but it's still in development, and, you know, it could be changes down the line. Basically, it's...
0: Could lead nowhere, could lead to socialism. Who the fuck knows, Basically,
3: you have to do the whole merger formula thing where you connect, like, a socialist movement to a workers' movement, and so far, those two things are still in development, so you can't really do the merger formula in the moment.
0: All right. Anything else to say on this text?
1: Anything else to say on this text? Um... I want to read that thing about the Cold War <laughs> and how it, you know, influenced the atom bombings. That sounds pretty challenging and interesting. Um,
0: I mean, I think it's pretty it's pretty decisive that um yeah. here like Truman basically just did it a, as a middle finger to Stalin. Right. Stalin but, was Stalin was basically planning on a land invasion of Japan, and you yeah, know, Truman was basically like hands off. Yeah, but I, I um, want to
1: read the, the book that kind of made that argument in the American setting and forced a bunch of. You know, red, white, and blue ass hats eat their flags.
0: Did, you, did any of you ever watch that Oliver Stone documentary series where he did kind oh of like God. his own, yeah. his own people's history?
1: Yeah, that was and.
0: Fun. It, yeah, he he goes on he goes on that hard, and he also kind of like oh, he yeah. also basically argues that like Truman's <laughs> like gender identity issues like influenced right. like his foreign policy vis a vis the USSR.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was his explanation: <laughs> is that his mom said he should have been a girl, and so I'll show them. I'll nuke Japan. I'm a big man. Like that was yeah. his. Yeah, he somehow Tra- yeah, tran- works transphobia trans- into into his explanation for how the atom bomb. Uh, gets dropped that was pretty that's when I really knew what I was watching I was like oh man this guy is I, nuts. I, see, I, I
0: guess I took it kind of like your theory about Ted Kaczynski where if Ted okay. Kaczynski had gone trans yeah he'd like never would or like, yeah he never would have like you know yeah. gone s- completely s- insane s- like same, same thing with Truman like if Truman had just been allowed <laughs> to like express his gender identity all right like maybe yeah. we could have had like a maybe we could have avoided the Cold War yeah. and Shit. you know he would have wow. he, he would have run he, he never he never would have taken Henry Wallace's place and as per Oliver Stone Henry Wallace would have fixed all the problems Well, right and, Of course. uh,
1: We all know that Henry Wallace would have solved uh, communism.
3: Yeah.
0: And we we, would be living under President Henry Wallace Jr., who would extend the reign of uh, New Deal, uh, uh, quasi-state capitalist socialism, um, and the real Pax Americana. That's what we would have had. Directed
1: by Oliver Stone.
0: Directed by Oliver Stone. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I I think all the worst atrocities in history have been committed by trans women, just secret trans women. <laughs> well,
1: a Stalin is a trans woman, you know.
3: Trans Stalin was a trans woman. Hitler, trans woman. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: Um. Yes, Queen. Uh, yes, Queen.
1: Um, yeah, that's a perfectly normal thing to do.
3: Attila so the Hun. We're- Christopher hey. Columbus.
1: Hitler real yeah. power bottom. Hitler.
3: Yeah, Hitler, you know, he he just wanted to be pissed on by a girl. Really, that's a trans girl fetish when you think about it. I Not mean, just. the
2: <laughs> failed art student thing.
3: Yeah, the full failed well, art student. Failed
1: art student, to be fair.
3: Uh, very
0: emotional. Um yeah. Just hey, like uh, women. Okay. Vegetarian. Oh, yeah, let's kill this train of thought. Um, what? Okay. Even though I started it. Um, it's your fault yeah so
1: uh asmr that's all a- i have to say asmr
0: <laughs> an- anything else anything late. else on uh old, old old gary alpervitz uh old gary uh, could
1: we uh could gary we do an a-, a we should do an asmr version of this you know because like, that's kind of what it's for it's for um putting progressives to sleep with its nice uh bedtime stories about Cooperatives and uh, the Tennessee Valley Authority.
3: Yeah, someone really paid thirty dollars for us to just shit talk this. Someone really paid
1: for that. Thank you very much, and please come back to our server if you want. I ain't mad. You could
3: you Um, could have spent this money on like like someone sending like feet pics or um something worthwhile, and you chose this.
0: There's an. places can be
1: seen as democratic. To the extent that they are composed of democratic bodies.
0: There's an ICP song at the end of an ICP album.
2: We're kind of providing this system, considering we are letting people pay us to read texts. Like I think we're kind of living the next system through the No Step Back whatever
1: series. Not One Step Back. This is democracy. Now. This is democracy now. <laughs> this is market democracy,
2: and look how well it's going.
0: That's it for this week. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can email us at swampsidechats at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can send us some money on PayPal at that same address. Or, you can become a monthly subscriber on our Patreon. Or, if you don't want to spend some money, you could leave us a good review on iTunes. Um... Like and subscribe to our different uh, social media platforms. Um, Yeah, just keep listening or whatever. So until next time, keep your boots clean, your feet out of the swamp, and your head in the revolutionary clouds of tomorrow.